Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Blacksmith Apologist podcast. We are so excited to start our two-part series on the crucifixion and the resurrection. So Kent, what are these episodes going to look like? We're going to be talking about what a Roman crucifixion looked like, specifically regarding to Jesus' journey to the cross. We'll finish off this episode by talking about some of the common objections to Jesus' death. Then next time we will be discussing the historical validity of the resurrection and some common objections to that. My two largest sources for this episode are The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel and On the Physical Death of Jesus, published by the Journal of the American Medical Association. One chapter in The Case for Christ has an in-depth dive looking at the crucifixion. Lee interviewed Alexander Methro, an MD and PhD who is considered an expert on the topic. Sounds great. Just a warning, everyone. Roman crucifixion was a disturbing process, and as we will be discussing it in detail, it may be an issue for some listeners. So let's get started, Kent. Describe a Roman crucifixion for us. Well, we need to start out slightly before the actual crucifixion, because there's an important part in there. The Gospels tell us that Jesus sweat blood, specifically the Gospel of Luke. Now, many people think this is a strange idea, but in the case for Christ, Lee Strobel actually lays out a convincing case for this. Dr. Methrell, who again is an MD and PhD, responds to Lee's objection to Jesus sweating blood. Quote, this is a known medical condition called hematidrosis. It's not very common, but it is associated with a high degree of psychological stress. End quote. A side effect of hematidrosis is that one's skin becomes very tender. So this is not totally out of the ballpark that Jesus would have sweat blood at this time. But what's interesting is that because his skin was so tender, the beating to come would have been much, much worse. And then just after he sweat blood, the Romans and Jews came to take him away, and then he was uh, taken and tried by both the Sanhedrin, the Jewish courts, and Pilate. And then Pilate gave him over to the Jews to be crucified. That sounds awful. So what does the next part of the story look like? Well, Roman crucifixions were a three-part process. The first part was the scourging or whipping, and then you had the crucifixion, which was what everybody thinks of when we think of Jesus' death, and then there was the death blow. So we'll get into those in more detail. Okay, so let's break it down a little bit. So the scourging was a very um, interesting part that not everybody really looks at. Um, In the article on the physical death of Jesus, it remarks about the scourging process. Quote, The usual instrument was a short whip, flagellum, with several single or braided leather thongs of variable length in which small iron balls or sharp pieces of sheep sheep bone were tied at intervals, end quote. It continues a little bit later, quote, The iron balls would cause deep contusions, and the leather thongs and sheep bones would cut into the skin. The lacerations would tear into the underlying skeletal muscle, producing quivering ribbons of bleeding flesh. We actually have historical reports of people dying from the scourging because of how brutal it could be on your back. There are reports of people's spines being laid open, being able to see their lungs, and um, even some reports of when the whip would wrap around the victim's stomach, it would open their stomach and their guts would spill out. It was quite a disturbing process. What is interesting is they would flog you for as long as they wanted you to live on the cross. Crucifixion was not only an execution method, it was also a method of torture. So if they wanted you to live for a long time on the cross, say you were a political dissident or some such thing, 
they would flog you less and let you die slowly on the cross over a period of three days. If they wanted you to die quickly on the cross because they really didn't care, they just wanted you to experience a lot of pain before you die, the whipping would be particularly harsh. Now, what's interesting is in the Greek, if you look at the words and the way that they're arranged and how they're said, the Greek talking about Jesus' whippings do lead to it to believe that his whipping was particularly harsh in even the realm of such a horrible punishment. Um, I'm not a Greek expert, but that is what I've read from some people who are experts. Okay, Kent. Now that we all have that lovely image in our head, what happens after the scourging? So the victim was then made to carry the crossbar of a of their cross. We often get the picture of Jesus carrying the entire cross. That probably wasn't how it actually happened. He most likely only carried the crossbar, which was heavy enough as is. That weighed around 75 pounds. Uh, the entire cross would have weighed about 175 to 200, which would have been well over what a man in his condition could have carried. Once at the site, the victim would have been thrown down on top of the crossbar, which would have reopened their wounds, and nails were driven through the wrist. Now, everybody usually is like, wait, hold up, doesn't the Bible say the hands? Well, the language of the day, the wrist and hand were the same unit. To quote from the case for Christ about being nailed through the wrist, quote, it is important to understand that the nail would have gone through the place where the median nerve runs. It would have been crushed by the nail that was being pounded. What's interesting is a word that we use every day now, excruciating, actually comes from this process. That is how painful it was to have this nerve crushed in your wrist. They literally didn't have any words for it at the time and had to come up with a new one to describe the horror of this event. They would lift the crossbeam into the permanently dug in hole. That shock would dislocate the victim's shoulders. And... An important thing to note, and something that not a lot of people know about crucifixion, is that when you were hanging in that way, with your body pulling on your shoulders, and in a certain way the muscles that allow you to exhale, that squeeze your lungs to let the air out, actually cannot function. So as you're hanging, and with your feet nailed, you have something to push up against, but as you're hanging, you actually can't breathe. So what you would have to do is push up on the nails in your feet and pull on the nails in your wrist, which would have been absolutely awful, to exhale, and then you would slide down. The article puts it this way. Adequate exhalation required lifting the body by pushing on the feet and flexing the elbows. Lifting the body would also painfully scrape the scourged back against the rough wood. Stipes. The Gospels tell us that Jesus lived for three hours on the cross, which some people have come against and said, well, wait, three hours, that's really soon. From the evidence that we have that his scourging was specifically serious, it's not all that uncommon that he would have died. So how does the death blow that you mentioned play into this? Well, the death blow could take several forms. The um, one that happened to Jesus was that he was stabbed through the side. Uh, you could also have your legs broken, your skull crushed, or your body could be thrown to a pack of dogs or wild animals. In all of these cases, your death was assured. Those familiar with the Gospels will remember that the Romans broke the legs of the two men who were crucified with Jesus. They saw that Jesus was already dead, though, and they stabbed him. 
I guess this is a good time to jump in and ask the question, how can we know that Jesus died on the cross? Well, as I said, we have this horrible whipping process that many people died there. And then you have a the crucifixion process where you are on the cross, which is almost impossible to survive in and of itself. And then you have a death blow. It would have been impossible for Jesus to walk off of that cross alive. If you read the article on the physical death of Jesus, which I would highly recommend, they conclude that Jesus died before the spear wound. However, if he had not, the spear wound would have sealed his fate. The authors go in depth on how they can ascertain this. Since this is a medical journal, they speak in very scientific terms. They lay out a strong case for the significance of the spear wound. However, I don't understand all the medical lingo, so I'm not going to try and regurgitate it. I would highly recommend that you go read that yourself so that you can understand. But they do lay out a case that essentially says, even if he was alive at this point, which is highly unlikely, the spear would have ended it. So Jesus was dead on the cross. But something important to note for Christians is there is one worldview that denies Jesus' death on the cross. That is Islam. The Quran actually states that Jesus did not die on the cross and Allah rescued him. Now, there are different interpretations of that verse. I'm going to talk about the most credible one here, which is the swoon theory, which is also pops up in pop culture atheism occasionally. This theory is probably the best theory that describes Jesus' death in any other way than his death, and even that is not credible. It would be in completely impossible for Jesus to have survived this. Multiple medical professionals have concluded this, not only Christians, but also atheists, agnostics, and Jews, many other people. There are even scholars who are willing to stake their careers against this and say that Jesus died, and if they can know anything in history, it is the fact that Jesus died. Another proof we can have for this is we have very early claims from the disciples saying that Jesus rose from the dead. You would not react to your wounded friend who, again, if Jesus had been, let's say he survived the cross, he would have not been able to walk, not been able to grip anything, there would have been no skin on his back, his shoulders would have both been dislocated, he would have been fighting multiple infections all over his body, would have been in shock and needed a blood transfusion. Even modern medicine would have struggled to save him at this point. So let's say he survives all of that somehow and three days later shows up and the disciples are like, oh my gosh. They would not have been saying, it's Jesus risen from the dead. They would have been saying, somebody get a doctor. Jesus was on the cross and survived. It would have been a miracle, but it's not resurrection. And that's not what the disciples were claiming. That's really interesting. Well, let's wrap it up for this week. Next week, we will be talking about three days later, when Jesus rose from the dead. Thanks, guys, for listening to the Blacksmith Apologist podcast, and we hope to see you next week.